Welcome to Simple Truth Love, a place where we talk about self-leadership, self-care, and self-love. With the hope that our self-help conversations might inspire you to look at fundamental well-being practices. Here, we'll dissect powerful words and explore how those words can enable or disable us from being our best selves. And contemplate things together that make us be the best we can be. I'm Cindy Bradshaw. I'm a recovering conflict avoider. And I'm Rochelle Doyle, recovering conflict freezer. So today we're here to talk a little bit about conflict. Cindy, why do you think conflict is an important topic? Conflict is really important to really understanding communication, understanding the other person and where they're coming from. And it's also to have honesty. The interesting thing about conflict is that it brings two people together. So often it's looked at as a negative, but when you have two people with differing opinions, the best way to get the best result out of a situation is to have some form of healthy conflict. Most of our thought processes are about conflict. When it gets unhealthy, that's why when most of us hear conflict, we're like, oh, it's definitely a, a negative instead of a growth mindset. So do you want to go ahead and read the definition? The definition of conflict is a serious disagreement or argument, typically a protracted one, or as a verb, it's to be incompatible or at a variance and to clash. To clash with someone seems like something you don't want to have happen. However, if you didn't clash with people, you wouldn't ever be able to come to any sort of understanding on a topic. Right. You don't have one form of thinking. And everyone's going to have different thought processes that are going to clash. And in order to come to any sort of agreement, you have to disagree. Do you have an example of a conflict that you overcame? Being a director of admissions, many times we disagree that a candidate should come to the school. Of course, you get the application and you get information and you do interviews and things like that. Many times it's easier to not be upfront with a parent about why that student isn't going to be accepted to the school, especially with someone's kids. It's really hard to say anything about someone else's child, right? It's like a reflection of themselves and it's really hard for them to hear. So... I always have to keep in mind with those situations that you do have to be really upfront and honest, but then you also have to protect people's feelings and make sure that they are not feeling like you're attacking them or their child by what you're saying. So it's this super fine balance of you have to have the conflict because you have to be honest with them and you don't want to string them along thinking they're going to get in the school and they're not. You have to be upfront with them. But then how do you do that in a kind way? And my strategy has always been to really put myself in their shoes. If someone was talking bad about my kid or didn't want my kid in their school, how would I feel? So, and normally it's because it's not going to work for the student. And I come at it from the standpoint of we are not going to be the best school for your student. So it doesn't make your student a bad kid or it's just not going to work because of these reasons. So I kind of try to take it from a standpoint of putting myself in the other person's shoes and how I would feel and want to be responded to. I think that it's interesting because one of the tools 
that we need to use when engaging in conflict is remembering the perspective of the person in front of you. In something we had read, it asks to have the most generous interpretation of the person in front of you. So assume the best possible intent out of the person that you're about to engage with. And I think on one hand, you have this awesome opportunity to do it with a little bit of pre-planning in your mind. But then there's this other side of conflict that happens when you're not expecting it. Let's say I'm in a meeting and someone puts me on the spot and says, well, why didn't you X, Y, Z? And I think it's your responsibility. It should have been your job. My thoughts flee from my brain. I go into defense mode. I can't think anything. I, I don't even remember my name in these moments because my anxiety gets so up and then I, my heart's beating fast and I totally shut down because I don't want to end up cursing out the person at work. What's about to come out of my mouth is not going to be very professional. So I just end up going into meltdown mode and completely shutting down. But what do you do during those moments if I was able to have the most generous interpretation of that person, it might still help me to think, okay, so-and-so thinks that this is my job. This person is has obviously been misinformed or something along those lines, or what is the reason that they are really engaging with me in what I think is a negative way? Yeah, it's definitely looking at it from their perspective is really useful. And also just getting out of that feeling attacked mode, because I had an example of this on Friday, someone that I work with said something that I had brought up to them, made them feel like they were just going to crumble that day, which I was like, Oh, my goodness, like my first initial reaction is like, I didn't in any way, me being the avoider too, I'm trying to make everybody happy all the time. I was not trying to like set you over the edge today. And so I really had to like stop worrying about myself and how I just felt like really shamed, like my behavior was poor to a fellow coworker, right? That's how I was feeling. I was so focused on that. But really, it was more about her day and what she was going through. And it was like a straw that broke the camel's back that day for her by just saying one thing that she normally would not have ever reacted to. So when I look at it from that perspective, I can remove myself from the situation because my first response was, oh my gosh, like, Cindy, why did you just make this person feel so bad? Like, what did you do? Why really was all about me? It's funny because you and I are both that way, but that's a good, healthy way to approach things because a lot of people often jump into blaming and they blame the other person, which you and I probably blame ourselves too much. But at the end of the day, we are the only people that we can have an impact on to change. So if we are able to examine our own contribution to the conflict, then we can kind of take ownership of how it is that we're approaching things. And then that sets us up for pride to walk away. So let's say that she ends up screaming at you. And you calm down and you say, I'm really sorry that you feel this way. That wasn't my intention. And you take a breath and she continues on and on and on and things escalate. 
even though it's an uncomfortable moment, you can at least still walk away from there thinking, I think I did everything that I could to try to be the best person out of the situation. And that helps with your future self, with your heart. Well, and I think it's really easy to, when someone says something like that to you, to go into this place of like, oh my gosh, I didn't mean to do it this way and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, it was just more about everything that she had going on on her plate and it had nothing to do with me. And it was not the type of reaction I ever get. So it was like super shocking to me. I'm thinking like, wow, I was doing all this to support you, not to tear you down. Regardless of how I felt or how she felt, it was a healthy conversation that we had. Like I was glad that she was upfront and honest with me by telling me that. She could have avoided telling me that, but then I wouldn't have known she's at her breaking point today. Yeah. So what are the pros and cons of conflict? I think the pros are that you you hear from the other person how they're feeling and you can come up with a solution and you can also understand the person better for future interactions with that person. Some of the cons with conflict would be when you get overly defensive, like we're both overly defensive, then we're not seeing each other's sides of things. That happens many times too. So I find it really interesting because I'm very conflict averse with the general population, but however, with my husband or maybe my kids or someone I'm super close with, I can butt heads with them for sure. So in those situations, it's like I'm right and they're right and nobody is going to budge. So I think there can be some cons if you're not trying to understand the other person's point of view. That's so interesting because for me, the pro, the big advantage of conflict is self-expression. I think it is so imperative that you're able to represent your own truth. And a lot of the time, if you're a conflict avoider, you tend to let somebody who's more dominant, their truth be the truth of the situation because you're trying to avoid a situation. And it's often not fair to whatever the environment is. At work right now, I'm kind of going through a situation where I'm working with someone who really doesn't like this presenter. and. The first time they approached me about it, they had said, I was so emotionally upset and they were really, really emotional about it and came at me in a way that made me, even as I'm sitting here, lean back and say, whoa, 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 whoa. My purpose wasn't to make you upset and I see your perspective. And luckily I had the opportunity to say, you know, let me think about this conversation over the weekend because the level of emotion put me in a position to where I did go into fight or flight mode, but I need to be able to express myself. And now today I can re-engage in that conversation and say, whew, okay, had a second to breathe and think about this. And this is why this is really important still. The cons of conflict for me are that it can really fracture relationships when it's not done well or effectively. One person can feel completely stepped on. Things can be really contentious. It has to be done in a way where both parties are respected. Absolutely. What role does mindfulness play in conflict? It's really that stepping back and not being on the defense when somebody first comes at you and says, you didn't do this. And you automatically have some sort of comeback. 
being mindful is like taking a couple deep breaths and looking at the other person, like trying to see the other person's point of view. Okay, this person must have had a bad day this morning. I'm just going to calm down and quiet myself a little bit before I respond. Of course, it's not like get back to them the next day or something. You need to deal with conflict in the moment to some extent. Maybe not if you're really angry or mad, you maybe need to say, can we talk about this tomorrow or something? But mindfulness is just like taking that step back to really let what just happened absorb and not like quickly react to it. Yeah. And it's interesting to see where this is a biological reaction. It's our fight or flight that's telling us that there's danger going on that's reacting in our brains. So when we feel this conflict coming, we really are having a scientific expected reaction to it. But then what do we do with it when that scientific expected reaction that serves us in battle or when we're in high danger physically makes things happen like our memory turn off, our our decision making (laughs) completely disappear. And mindfulness is so imperative because that's the only thing. Training yourself to practice breathing or stay present Try to assume positive intent of the person in front of you and try to let go of some of those things. Like maybe this is the third time this has happened and you're remembering something that she did or he did three weeks ago and all those other facts that that you want to bring into the situation. You have to be able to breathe into it and let it go because it doesn't further the conversation. Another thing that I think is important is keeping goals in mind. If you're doing this to win, which sometimes I do that, especially you were saying earlier how you feel safe arguing with your spouse. If it's somebody that I really know, the point is that I win. The point is less that we come to an agreement. A lot of the times for me, it's like, look, you need to see my side and agree with it. But trying to let that go, that's my journey. Actually, you and I have partaken in this behavior ourselves, I think in the past, why is it so easy and satisfying for me to say, Oh my gosh, Rochelle, so-and-so just did this to me. They have such a anger issue. I can't believe like being kind of catty when people are like that to you in conflict, like for a conflict avoider, I'll avoid it with that person, but then I'll come to you and be like, Oh my gosh, Rochelle, you wouldn't believe what so-and-so just said. Why is that so gratifying? I think 110% it's about trust and it goes back to why you argue with certain people and why you don't argue with other people because I trust your reaction and I know that even if you don't agree with me, you are going to give me a response in a palatable way. I mean, I might become uncomfortable with your response in a moment if you say, you know, Rochelle, that really was kind of your bad, then I will hear it. And I may not want to in the moment, but also I don't trust the person who I'm actually engaging in conflict with. Because if I did trust them, I would just say it to their face, which is why too, I argue with people that I love. If I don't have that close connection with you, I'm like, Ooh, you're freaking out over there. Retreat, retreat. Also, it's really just fun to vent and get it off your chest in the moment. 
and we've talked about this before, you tend to hang out with people who agree with you a little bit more than you do people who don't agree with you. So it's sort of interesting how, you know, I would run to you because I know you're going to agree with my interpretation of the situation as well. So it's sort of like me running to myself and getting the same information that I think is right. Aren't we right? Aren't they wrong? And then you think about the role that just the world plays in this because we're becoming more and more polarized. And the evil they, they're wrong, they're stupid, they're uneducated, they're uninformed. Yeah, it's hard. It's getting harder. Is there a role between what culture you come from, what culture you have, your background, and your approach towards conflict? Absolutely. Because I think based on who you are, you're going to come at things from a different point of view. You know, we talked about how you either seek out conflict or you avoid conflict. I think culturally you feel hurt in different ways just based off of your background. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you think about East Coast versus West Coast, they say people from the East Coast will hit something on a lot more targetedly. That's a word. And West Coast is more Let me just be more passive aggressive where I'm actively avoiding the conversation so that I don't create any waves on the outside. And actually, in thinking of a story that reminds me of culture and conflict, when I was in, I think I was in second grade and I got into a fight, I, it was this girl and at the time She had ADD, as they were calling it then, and she was the first person at our school that had ever had it, and they treated her like she had a glass bubble around her, kind of, and she really got away with everything. And there was one day where she had come up to me and pushed my lunch tray on me and had gotten food all over my sweater. And, oh gosh, I just lost it. And I started wailing on her. And I remember I was bawling, like this mess of emotions that's like kicking and punching and screaming. So I was so upset. And the school teacher had said, you have to apologize. That was the rule, right? Okay. So I went up at lunch and I apologized to her and she ran away. And then as we were getting in line, to go back into the classroom. I apologized to her again. And gosh, I'm so sorry. And she started laughing and she said no, and she ran away. So when she went to go in the classroom, the teacher pulled her aside and said, did Rochelle apologize to you? And she said, nope, she didn't. She wouldn't do it. And I bawled again because I said, I already apologized to her. Gosh, I don't know why I remember this so much, but I ended up going to the office and they called my mom and said, okay, principal's office, you have to go home. You're in trouble now. You didn't apologize. Wasn't true. I remember feeling like I did apologize. She wouldn't listen. And my mom came up to the school. My mom is the exact opposite of me. She's a conflict seeker, (laughs) not a conflict avoider. And she came up to the school and was like, what's going on, kid? I was like, I tried to apologize and they made me do it three times and blah, 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 blah. Meanwhile, the teacher had like dragged me in front of the class to publicly berate me in front of everybody, right? And the other thing that was happening there is that it was the only black kid at the school. And 
in the midst of all this, Rodney King was being beaten by police officers on TV. And we were going through this huge civil rights movement in our culture. And I didn't realize the role that culture was playing in this. So my mom is like, what are you doing to my kid? And she's fighting for something far different than what it is that I'm fighting for. And I look back at it now and think about, wow, what role did culture play in that conflict from a one-to-one level of us? And then the way it got resolved with the teacher not believing that I apologized, with my mom coming up ready to kick everybody in the school's ass, (laughs) just reminds me of the importance of considering everyone's perspective. Yeah. And culture definitely plays into that, trying to put yourself in the other person's shoes thinking, oh, they might be going through this or that based on who they are. And really, instead of taking conflict always like in this personal way, trying to really see what they may be going through. Absolutely. Think about, oh gosh, this has happened to me. In Spanish or Italian cultures, I have definitely been called gordita or, oh, it's okay. You're just out of shape or you're just a little fat. That's why blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh my gosh, how dare you say that to me? (laughs) You are not looking at my point of view. (laughs) (laughs) But they're like, what are you talking about? (laughs) I'm just naming the situation and trying to recognize that that's their culture. It helps me to prevent myself from From being offended. (laughs) Right. So styles of conflict. We've got the two styles, the seeker and the avoider, right? And you are a... I'm an avoider, but a seeker when it comes to my family. Hmm. I'm probably pretty similar in that regard. I'm an avoider. So we've got some tips that would be helpful to go over. For example, if you and I, two avoiders, go into conflict, what'll happen some of the times is we won't do it. (laughs) We'll just jump topics. I think we've done that before. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But the recommendation is if things get tough, not shying away. And facing it. Saying we have to like move forward on this one, even though we don't want to. And then if one of us is engaging with a seeker, one thing that I think will happen is we'll feel trampled. Which then makes us avoid it even more. Right. Or when a seeker comes at me, I just feel hurt. And I shut down because I almost want to feel sorry for myself. Like you're just coming at me and trying to hurt me. So my reaction is not to hurt back. My reaction is to just say, you know what? You're being completely out of line. So I'm just stepping away right now. And in some ways, I feel like it's a little bit of Michelle Obama. When you go low, I go high. But it's not because me going high would be confronting it. Exactly. And I think one way to look at it too is try to look at what the goal of the conversation is and try to remove your emotion behind it and stay directed towards what we're actually engaging in conflict over is whose responsibility it is to do this report. And the reason that we're doing this is because our supervisor hasn't provided clarity and we're both trying to figure it out. So in order to come to the best solution, we need to look at that. Rather than saying, you asshole, you always do this to me. And then for us as avoiders, we're empowered a little bit if we try to get away from the emotional side of it. And then for seekers, they just have to try not to be bulldozers. (laughs) Right. Well, I think with a seeker, 
their way of dealing with conflict is to hit it head on and come right at it where an avoider is I don't want to upset anybody. So let's just not go there and let's avoid this. So it's almost like the seeker maybe needs to be a little more of an avoider and the avoider needs to be more of a seeker. Absolutely. It's about practicing a different hat. And I think too, what that requires for the seeker is patience with the way that things are going. Because if you're an avoider, you might try to skirt around a couple of times before you get to the point. And a seeker that wants to hit those things head on is going to be, I'm sure, a little bit frustrated that it's like, oh, why are we not talking about it exactly the way that I want to talk about it? Yeah. Then what do you think can happen if they're both seekers? That's hard. And I've had that experience in my family. I think then it becomes the standoff of who's right. And we don't get anywhere as far as trying to understand the other person's point of view. So I think when two seekers come at it, they're both hitting it head on, but in a way that like they have to be right. So I think the only way to support that is to try to understand that other person's point of view, try to put yourself in their shoes. Absolutely. And opposite of us avoiders, they would actually do well with taking a break, walking away and pausing because seekers can feel disrespected in the way that they're engaging with each other. So they might need to get a coffee break or go on a walk or something that I used to do. (laughs) I would engage in conflict in a nice setting. Like, let's go to the park and have this argument. (laughs) Because we can look at the trees and hear the birds. Yeah, I think with a seeker and with an avoider, it's both an emotional response. So it's almost about trying to have mindfulness and not detach yourself from the emotion itself, but to try to extract the emotion for a moment so that you can actually see what's going on because the avoider feels hurt and I want to kind of crawl away and shrink away. And the seeker is feeling kind of anger, like here's my point of view and I'm going to blast it at you. So to take that like emotional charge out of it by being mindful in both situations is definitely going to serve everyone well. I agree. (laughs) So, okay, what are we going to practice in regards to conflict? We're going to practice being mindful. We're going to practice looking at the other person's point of view before we get emotionally charged. I think one of the things about being mindful and specific, I really want to practice is number one, When I feel it coming on, just taking deep breaths and doing some counting, sometimes I have the opportunity to say, you know what, I need 30 minutes, an hour, a weekend to think about it. But sometimes you don't have that opportunity. You can take five seconds and try to get that amygdala a little bit less reactive and get some oxygen to your brain and start thinking a little bit more logically That is definitely one thing. And then the other thing that I really want to do is embrace this thought that I need to express myself. You and I have valuable contributions to make. And just because our voices aren't steel toe boots (laughs) kicking down a door, then we don't have valuable perspective. Right. A quiet voice is still a good voice. Yeah. I think your five second rule is great. It's five seconds well spent to not end up in a negative conflict, but in a productive one. And then something else you had said earlier too, about examining 
your own contribution to the conflict, I think is a good idea so that you're not you, you, you. I think looking at too, what do I normally do in this situation and maybe trying on a hat of something different? Because if I normally, when someone comes at me, would run into your office and say, oh my gosh, that person yelled at me again. Maybe I shouldn't do that because if you really think about it, it's like that behavior is not okay. Although it may be fun for a few minutes when we're dishing the dirt, later on, you don't feel good about yourself or anything else when you do that. So it's really trying on something new and looking at your past behavior and what your go-tos are and kind of looking at how you can do things differently in the future. Yeah, it's that short-term gratification that doesn't get you anywhere in the long-term and actually contributes to a petty work environment. So you're actually hurting yourself, hurting your team. I think I have a quote of the week. Sometimes people are going to be mad at you and that's okay. You might not like it, but it's okay. And it's good for you. I think for us conflict avoiders, that's really hard. Can't make all the people like you all the time. But sometimes people are gonna be mad at you and that's okay.